0: The To Die For daily podcast is brought to you by R is for Revenge Dress. Written by Kinsey Schofield and published by Post Hill Press. R is for Revenge Dress explores the celebrated life of Princess Diana through the alphabet. Hitting bookshelves November of 2022. Pre-order R is for Revenge Dress at Amazon or Barnes & Noble today.
1: Love the British monarchy. You've come to the right place. Welcome to the To Die For Daily podcast with Kinsey Schofield. Take it away, Kinsey. Um, it's so hard to, to like try to be professional because I really like you. I, you're like really my friend, so it's so hard for me to be like, "Hey, and thanks for talking to the To Die For Daily
0: podcast." <laughs> well, it's always I always find like when you start to, like because it's weird you kind of go in these like professional like real right and then when you start to become friends you're like oh now we have to be professional like, like be again
1: kids I know okay all right well um I am with author Gareth Russell you, you know you not only have the Queen Mother coming out I cannot wait to get the Queen Mother everybody's talking about it on Instagram that's how we became friends but Young and Damned and Fair first of all how did you come up with that title I like how I'm just jumping into it but I love the title Young <laughs> and Damned yeah. and Fair tell me how you came up with that title I was ha- I was lucky to discover it on audiobook
0: Oh, uh, with Jenny Funnell, who narrates it. She's so good. She's just yes. brilliant. So I, Young and Damned and Fair, which is my biography of Henry VIII's wife, Catherine Howard, was my the book that kind of started my career in America. It's how I got my agent in America. I had done my dissertation on Catherine's um, household staff, but when my agent, Brittany, and I were talking about maybe turning it into a book, we decided to go for a more lyrical um title and there's a poem by Stevie Smith that talks about sort of a mythical woman trapped on a rock young and damned and fair and that's where we where I pinched it.
1: Brilliant brilliant okay so uh, for people not familiar with you you are a historian a broadcaster a very good Instagram follow. Um, ah, stop
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're
1: making me blush <laughs> um, but what I so we found each other on Instagram I loved your content I work with a couple of american broadcasting companies and they asked me for references for really good royal commentators during the jubilee i threw your name out there but i didn't anticipate to walk into a green room and see you because you're you had a really busy schedule during jubilee and we sat there for half an hour had a blast it was the so most nice. fun and i wanted to just do a quick jubilee recap with a friend that i actually got to spend part of the Jubilee win, which is you. Um, So tell me, what was your, what, the environment was amazing, right? Can you explain a little bit about how the city was?
0: Yeah, well, firstly, I think we need to acknowledge the MVP, which apart from Prince Louis was your hat. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when you walked around the corner in the green room, I was like, oh, she has come to play. Like it. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, look, you're absolutely right. It was this environment in the city was really upbeat and exciting. And I even, I mean, it sounds strange because we were in the green room, you know, with with other um, correspondents and commentators, and there was a vibe even there. You felt, you know, obviously it's it's a really impressive moment seventy years of service to the country, but also you know two three years of things being difficult and locked away, and you know, so it was sort of this like symbiosis between the theme, the, the the celebration of the Jubilee and also people seeing each other again. Um, I just I find the pageantry and everything to do with it really uplifting.
1: Oh, absolutely. Also, I, you know, this is my first go-round in London as a royal commentator. And so to be in a room with Dickie Arbiter was yeah. next level. During the Mass, Dickie is standing like with his hands on a chair three inches from the television watching prince harry and Meghan markle enter and he's like oh come on smile and it is to me it's crazy because this is a man that has been in the same room with prince harry he's been in you know strategy yeah. meetings with the queen this is a man who is so entrenched in in really this fam not only the the pageantry not only the protocol but the deep deep family ties like he knows he knows it all so that was really interesting to to me to like witness him witnessing some of the jubilee
0: you'll know this as well i mean he was really close to diana yeah you know this, this you know he saw a lot of diana so it was and he tells these really funny stories about her and i think it's, it's strange, I suppose, if you're like us and you're sort of coming up and you, you're doing the Royal Commentary, you've seen Dickie Arbiter many times on TV. You know what he's done. And it was quite, it was just a generally surreal day and in, a, in a really good way. I think yeah. there was a, I mean, there was a slightly strange moment where I think I was getting my makeup done or something. Not that this, that it isn't just a natural glow. <laughs> but um I was, I was getting my makeup done, and you could you could see on the screens that they had in the green room the flyby, and then you heard it go right over our hotel where we were shooting. So it was there was a buzz, there was a real excitement to it. Um, although I didn't tell you because I I didn't want to like stress out any of our um, the colleagues at the at the network. But I was initially geol on at eleven forty, and I got to the hotel at eleven. 39 <gasps> because everything oh, the traffic yeah. everything when i had dropped my um uh, earphone down the side of the car had reached down cut my finger and kind of bled on my shirt. I looked like I turned up cosplaying like a haemophiliac Romanoff. Like that looked like the vibe I was going for. Um, but luckily I think things were running a little late for everyone that yeah. day. So I got in and, and that was good. But I, I definitely left Like I definitely horcruxed between Heathrow and the studio, like 1139 was a, was a, was worrying.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say to you. I felt like even though I was not in the, the mobs of people that we saw with their Union Jacks, I was not in those mobs because <laughs> the traffic was so bad and the, so many streets were closed off that they would send a car for me an hour or two hours before it was time for me to do a hit. And so. Yeah. I what no matter what I planned to see, I didn't get to see anything because I was in a car navigating. But I had the craziest, I shouldn't say that. I had the most eccentric taxi driver one time. Okay. And he had so many Diana stories. He met Diana one time when she, he was in the hospital. She sat there and talked to him for 20 minutes. I love hearing those stories because sometimes. Yeah. We hear these Diana stories over and over again, and it's like, are you, is she really this martyr, you know? And so to right. hear a stranger say, I met her at the hospital. She stood there and talked to me for 20 minutes. She was the most sincere person ever. I'm really resentful of the current royal family because I was so touched by her compassion and generosity. That was really interesting to me. Did he go into a few conspiracy theories? Perhaps he did, we won't go into that, but it was really- yeah. It's, it's so interesting to meet people that actually met her, have nothing to gain from the story, and, uh, and talk about how really wonderful this woman is.
0: Well, first of all, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I was going to ask you about conspiracy theories because there is, I feel like it's a rite of passage in London to have a taxi driver tell you a conspiracy theory. It's luck of the draw. It's really luck of the draw which one you get. I think it's really interesting. I mean, you mentioned my book on The Queen Mother. I interviewed a lot of people who knew her, and there is something special. I think, about people who knew the person, who saw the person. Because you're seeing someone like Diana who's, who you know, is, is sort of still kind of imprisoned in the fame we now project onto her. There is a sense, as you say, of someone frozen in martyrdom who's not a real person. And then when you hear these stories of people who are really touched by the time she took to talk to them, I think it's really moving. And, and, and it's... Um, It's also, I think, for anyone I mean, like me, you've worked in a book, and Diana, I think if you're doing anything like this, to hear a first-hand source of someone who had a a special moment with them is is really, really special.
1: Yeah, and especially when it's not someone like, oh, am I going to do this right now? Paul Burrell, who always has... (laughs) No, and I will say for the record, I would love to talk to Paul, but Paul has created an entire brand on that relationship. So when you talk to him, you wonder, is this to sell a book or is this to get the next thing? And I might, I might fix this and edit. I don't know. I might remove this.
0: But (laughs) he's he I think he liked a few of my posts, actually, which I thought was quite nice of him. But he um, I've never met him. But the thing but there are people who it's a really tough line to walk because you you can get a reputation of someone who is a talker and that's not always the best thing. I mean, I will say I was kind of lucky that season four of The Crown was so anti-the Queen Mother and so hostile to her because it meant that a lot of people who knew her who usually would not have spoken to someone because they're a more discreet generation, I think, yeah. but they, they were very willing to talk.
1: Uh, yeah, because they had to defend their friend.
0: That's it, and and, and and you know, I did speak to people who were not fans and, and were very critical, but there is something, and some of them were, were sort of in the middle and they, they just met her a few times, but what was really, there was something special about talking to the friends, I think. There was just something about, because a lot of, the, quite a few of them were a little bit more elderly, and it felt like they, they were sort of reminiscing with you, which was very special.
1: All right, talk to me about The Crown, because that's one of my biggest issues. Whenever I do American media, they say, well, on The Crown, this happened. And you don't want to correct a person on live television and say that is not authentic. That is not true to what happened. That is great entertainment. I especially think, aside from the Queen Mother, I think that they make the Queen look really negative and nasty. And I don't appreciate that. And I don't think it's true. Can you give me your thoughts on that?
0: I, I mean, look, I, I should say that I, I have, I've had friends who were in it, so I'm always a little bit hesitant. But no,
1: to- I love it. I'll watch it forever. I'll watch yeah. it on repeat. But I but I, I don't like the idea that people think there is truth. There's so much truth to it. In There's just a lot of truth.
0: I think you're absolutely right. This is where you sort of can't have the proverbial cake and eat it too. You cannot say we are allowed to get away with massive inaccuracies because we're a drama. But then, as quite a few people with the crime do, trumpet the accuracy and the research. You can't do both because that's blurring those lines. And I think for me, seasons one and season two were extraordinary. I mean, really, really brilliant. And and to give credit to those earlier um, seasons, I think part of that is that that was a period drama. That was so long ago that with the exception of the Queen and Prince Philip, nearly everyone they were dramatising had passed away. The the sooner you, sorry, the the more, the closer in time you get to the present, the more difficult it becomes. And, you know, I, I... whatever you think sort of of the, of the breakdown of the prince and princess of Wales' marriage, I felt Charles in season three and Charles in season four were two completely different people. Oh, like is-
1: I was in love with season three, Charles. Yeah, I was, he, I was he in was he love was with him.
0: So sensitive and so um, kind of heartfelt and lost. And then season four, he was a monster. I mean, and was- no
1: justification as to what, that shift.
0: No, there was nothing. There was nothing really done with that at all. Uh, i thought I'm they just, did really well they did you know that there have been things that they have done that i sorry go ahead
1: oh i was gonna say i it, i think we're supposed to assume he's just bitter that he can't be with camilla i think we're supposed to assume that but there's also not enough engagement yeah, between the two I, of them
0: no there wasn't and that, you know and and i loved loved the portrayal of camilla i thought actually they didn't go down the line of demonizing the other woman, I thought that was really sensitively handled. There've just there have just been some questionable decisions. I was horrified by the. I mean, obviously, because I've worked on books, a book about her. I was really horrified by the episode about the Queen Mother's and nieces, and I go into that in the book and say, "Look, this is what actually happened." And when you're getting into the area of misrepresenting how people with physical and mental disabilities were treated at that time, then to sensationalise it for the sake of a royal drama, to me, you're maybe treading into like pretty dangerous moral ground there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get frustrated when people say, all you need to do is watch The Crown. It is an extraordinary production. It really, really is. I'm really excited to see Elizabeth Debicki as um, Princess Diana. I think what great casting. Um, but, but if I'm honest, it was a li- It's. I'm interested to hear what you think. and. and you know what your listeners and viewers think as well, because I bounce back and forth in this. There are certain shows, the loudest voice bombshell, they kind of stick in my head about modern things. I just was not sure this was the time to tell the story. It felt a little too fresh.
1: Right, and so with Charles and Diana, you think that that's when?
0: I think we have to bear in mind, and I, you know. Maybe they won't watch it, but I try to bear in mind that she has two sons who are still alive and, I, and clearly in their own ways have, obviously as she would, struggled to deal with what happened. Mm. I think to be getting that close and depicting her death and the breakdown of their marriage. I just don't know. But then again, I understand. I know, yeah. I'm like you, I'm torn. Because there have been moments in The Crown where I have felt, oh, I really think you could have done this in a different way. I had a big issue with the scene in season two where Philip is shown A nightmare clambering through the corpses of his dead relatives in the airplane. You just thought, not a need for this. These are whatever your views on the monarchy are, these are human beings. And I just
1: and Prince Philip, I believe he was alive when that was when that came out. Yeah, (sighs) he was. No, that is that is. Oh, I just got goosebumps thinking about that. That's not something that I would want to experience in my lifetime. Oh, and
0: Look, I mean, you can tell from my accent, I'm from Northern Ireland. I did have problems with the way the Northern Irish Troubles were presented. It really bothered me, and um, that it was, you know, it was, it is still part of the United Kingdom. It was a civil war that went on for 30 years. It got about 10 minutes coverage in the Crown, yeah. and, and you know, there was a lot more spent on Diana's shoes than there was on the Troubles. Like that, no, I
1: literally, can't... her wrapped around a toilet, which was my. biggest issue but yes
0: I have to say as someone who you know I'm very aware of of eating disorders and I and I find the depiction of it for me went over the air I just think it was too much it was too much that too and often.
1: Spencer uh, w- between the crown and Spencer I was so spent I was so done this is not a woman that lived her life and 16 years you know she didn't live 16 years wrapped around a toilet I don't like that that's the way that mo- m- you know this modern age has decided that they're going to represent her
0: I was, I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, obviously you're the, between us, you're the Diana expert. So I'm interested to hear what you think, which is I, a lot of people said, oh, you know, she's so, you know, they're so anti-Charles and pro-Diana in season four. But I actually thought the Diana of season four came across as really stupid. Like, real. she did, like, I thought they really downplayed a lot of what Diana did. Like, you know, a lot like that's you know Diana really really went out to bat, as did Princess Margaret I should say. But at the height of the AIDS crisis, the two of them really were were being seen sitting next to people with AIDS and hugging people with AIDS. That was a revolutionary act of kindness that both of them did, and I felt Diana. I felt I felt everything was was um, shrunk to the marriage. Yeah. And I thought you could have gotten this across and maybe fleshed out Diana a bit, all of them a bit more. It's, it's, it's so strange. I can't
1: believe how much we're, we're no, we love no. The Crown. We should say we yeah. love The Crown.
0: Do. I do. I actually think, I mean, I, my favourite season was the first season. For sure. Uh, and, and I think Claire Foy's performance will go down as one of the greats in TV history. It really do. Yeah. I think... And where I will give credit where credit is due, there were topics in season three and four that were so vast that, of course, they had to they had to shrink them down. Um, I I personally, just as a viewer, wonder about shows that get really close to the date in real life. That's just something I okay. I I don't envy the writers because obviously they are. Um, you know, contractually bound to finish this, and and I think it will be difficult for them. I have heard, I'm sure you have as well, that Netflix have picked up the prequel options, so they're going to, I think, go back to like Edward the Seventh. I think that is, I think we will see if it's the same writer and the same team doing the prequel i think we're going to see some absolutely extraordinary television i really I, do.
1: i totally agree when as i was watching one and two with you I, I absolutely loved the first two seasons and it killed me that we didn't go back to wallace and edward i mm-hmm. was so i thought wow that i mean how do you skip over these two fascinating creatures who you know, now it's so much more interesting to look at them and to look at their story because there are, no matter what anybody wants to say, parallels between Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and Wallace and Edward. I mean, like in the way that... Oh, go ahead.
0: I will, will, sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted, but I will will take a plaudit um, because in 2014, in an interview, I was asked who I thought the Duchess of Cambridge, Kate was basing herself on, and I said the Queen Mother. And in the last, I think, week, a few weeks, people who worked for her and worked for the Queen Mother have said they are very similar.
1: Ah, that's so, really interesting. Because
0: the Queen Mother had, I mean, she was Duchess of York first, and she was someone who I think, like the Duchess of Cambridge, plays a long game. She's very aware that if you're in the monarchy, this is a marathon, not yeah. a sprint.
1: Yeah.
0: And there's a lot. I mean, you know, the Queen Mother was She she's a less stellar reputation today. But the Queen Mother from 1923 to 2002 was pretty consistently one of the most popular people in the country. And it fashionable.
1: Was- like everybody loved what she wore. Like she was really this icon.
0: She was. I mean, there's the photograph and she and, and it's interesting because what happened with her has happened with all the women who've married into the Windsor dynasty, which is they're popular for the first five to ten years, and then a younger prince marries another woman, and then they're characterised as being jealous of her. And that's what happened with Elizabeth and Wallace. It happened with Diana and Sarah Ferguson. People forget that. There's There's always this cycle of, like, the woman has to be pitted against the other woman, which is right. a good... Bit- uh,
1: unnecessary yeah yeah um, okay so you just reminded me of something back to the green room sure. we're, we're waiting to go on and um I had that
0: I, fear you have before you film I always have this thing where they put out so much food in the green rooms and you're like I'm really hungry but I just know today is the day that is going to get stuck in my teeth like I know that I've made my that teeth. is
1: a really I, that's why I carry those little floss picks in my my bag so smart talk. You yeah. should carry like the the kind that in the plastic in your wallet. But, um, well, also when you're running around like that to do commentary, you don't eat. So you have to stop and eat. I know what you're saying, but you have to eat something because it'll be six or seven o'clock and you realize that you've been up since 4 a.m. Yeah. and you haven't had anything to eat and you're about to miss out.
0: I was gonna- dinner for the like a friend was hosting a a dinner that night and when i arrived and sat at the table i realized that i was going to have to remember that civilization has rules and i could not the way i wanted to (laughs) it's just all of a sudden that is sort of yeah um viking warlord appetite settled right over me so i had to be really really and it's true you do forget you do just Constantly forget to use going,
1: going, going. And it was just like you said, this magical atmosphere. So you are just going with the flow and just it's felt so great. Um well we had a you know, we worked with Pierce Morgan together. Mm-hmm during the Jubilee. Um, I like him. I like anybody that has the courage to say what they think. Um, But we were pretty intimidated by the thought of not knowing what questions were coming, because, you know, some people provide questions before we had no idea. Now, one thing we suspected you might be asked because of your background is what the Queen Mother would think of Harry and Meghan I'd yeah. like two answers from you. One, <laughs> what you told me that day, and two, how would the Queen Mother have responded to the way that Harry and Meghan did act? Because I thought they did a pretty decent job.
0: Really <laughs> right. uh, yeah, I really did. I think, so, so to, to answer in, in order, I think the Queen Mother really was someone who there was, an Edwardian concept of duty. It did not matter how unhappy you were. And really in many ways, Harry is leading a kind of rebellion against the values of the Queen Mother that still exist at the heart of the the royal family, which is, you know, it was the Queen Mother who coined that very famous phrase, never explain, never complain. And that is how she, she did not give interviews. She really resented giving interviews. But one of the things I found out from my book, which I which blew my mind, is that there was a journalist at the time, I think, of Prince Harry's christening, who chanced his arm and put the microphone in front of the Queen Mother and asked, What advice would you give to your great grandsons? And the Queen Mother said something like, Oh, I never give advice, which was a polite way of saying, go away. Mm-hmm. And he and he said, If you were. And she said something like I'm paraphrasing here, it's it's in the book, but she, she said something like always put your country first yeah that that was the advice and you know it's i think we're all you know we, we maybe well, a lot of us will have had grandparents or great-grandparents who lived through the years of the war they were built differently to us that's that's just the nature of it so i think she would never have understood a member of the royal family wanting to live abroad Mm-mm. that just is not something that that would have that would have sat with her that's not to say that she was right and harry's wrong or vice versa it's just there's um i don't can't usually speculate but with elizabeth's views on things like that there's no doubt that 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 she um she did not would would not have thought that was the right thing to do and in fact she did at one point get a whisper that prince charles was considering going to live in italy uh because in the early nineties, because he was really struggling with how much the press was sort of, you know, with the, the I mean, he was very unpopular at that point. And um
1: So is this this is she, early this is early nineties. Is this still with Diana? Because the divorce, there was the separation
0: is, and the divorce. The and he was considering going to um live in Tuscany for most of wow. the year. And the Queen Mother broke, she never really spoke about Wallace and Edward. And she invited Charles to dinner and she said, and she all of a sudden just started talking about his, his um, great uncle and his great aunt. And the way she phrased it, it became very clear to Charles that she was telling him, do not leave this country.
1: Mm. She,
0: she, you know, she, she, The Queen Mother never went in a straight line. She kind of, yeah. she wove in her point. Um, and in regards what she would have thought of, of how they the Sussexes um, behaved at the Jubilee, I don't think there was, a, I don't think there was anything to criticise with them in regards yeah. to the behaviour the Jubilee. I think if you are someone who it's the same thing with the Cambridges. I think if you're someone who is, in fact, many famous people, if you're someone who's already decided you don't like them, you'll find something there. Yeah. But I think if you're trying to be fair, you know they they turned up. They, they, they did not. In fact, no member of the royal family, I thought, tried to pull focus. Everything was, you know, directed towards the queen, but the platinum jubilee. I thought they behaved. You know, I thought all of them behaved immaculately, and yeah. I, th- and I, and I thought there was ness of spirit about the criticism. There's also of them for the jubilee, and there's also something else that just drives me nuts, and it's something that happens with famous people all the time people will see a single photograph or footage from afar and they will start to extrapolate psychological reasons. This is what this person's thinking. This is what they're doing. You think it might, they might just have had like stubbed their toe. You don't yeah. know what's, you know, <laughs> you don't know. What's um, yeah, we and don't I know. Thought, like, they might the have sausages. lost their
1: babysitter as they were walking in. You know, it's just, you're yeah, exactly right.
0: Exactly. Um, and I thought, you know, and I, I mean, it's not the most important point, but I loved the Duchess of Sussex's ensemble.
1: Yeah, it right. was very I really it, that, that, that. classy yeah. and um, while she looked beautiful, she was not trying to get a million articles about what she wore from top to bottom. You could tell she just no, wanted I, to look respectful.
0: I thought so and I also and I thought the same thing of the Countess of Wessex and the Duchess of Cambridge. I thought oh, yeah. they kind of they, yeah, they all sort of um, I, I just thought the whole thing was a very well um, executed and well acted celebration.
1: I mean, have we ever seen something? I mean, I should say I think it's probably so surprising because of the the plague, the pandemic, but. To see something unfolded so effortlessly, looking—I mean, there were—it did not see, seem like there were any mistakes from mic issues to um, oh. somebody showing up late that we knew of. It seemed like everything unfolded so gracefully, and and yes. that just tells you the power of the men in gray suits. <laughs>
0: They've been doing this for a thousand years. You yeah. know, There's there's a lot of there's a lot of, of back catalog. Uh, the only time I have ever really felt a member of the royal family has tried to pull focus from the Queen. Was Prince Andrew a Prince Philip's memorial? I thought for him to have included, for him to have allowed himself to be included, was yet another act of just gargantuan selfishness. Yeah, and I thought, he, I thought, if he, there was any decency, if that he would have excused himself because it did become about him. That's what it, his father's memorial became about him, and I think. You know, we'll you've heard it as well, the the pretty good sources that we both have that Prince Charles and Prince William are the ones who vetoed him being anywhere near the Jubilee. I think that was 100 percent the right decision to make.
1: Absolutely. All right. Um, Speaking of Prince Andrew, and I didn't I haven't planned to ask you this, but I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I have read so many accounts that the Spencer family really thought that Diana would end up with Andrew. I also, th- you know, Prince Andrew coming up, he was this, you know, this hero. Um, he was handsome. Um, and he did, as, when they were younger, they played together. So um, do you ever think, wow, how life could have been different and would it have been so, it really it couldn't have been so chaotic had she married Andrew, right? Because I don't think that the world would have been so obsessed with her. It was the I- idea perhaps that she was going to be queen. I don't know. Is this conversation dumb?
0: No, it's interesting. I always think of what if is interesting. I've heard that about, I mean, I, I've heard that Diana and Andrew got on really well. And also it was a, it was a time just before the rumors about how, how, you know, the stories about Andrew that started years and years and years ago What were, were how awful he was to people who worked for the Royal Family. Like, mm-hmm. He was really kind of that those that was the first kind of the, the rumblings about um about his his um the truth of his personality but before that you're right i mean he served in the falklands war he was sort of he was positioned as the fun prince and you know prince charles was the more serious one it's interesting i've certainly heard that heard that that's who the spencers thought she would um end up with but he he seems to have been linked to a lot more people than charles was if yeah. that makes sense you know, there was a lot of rumors kind of flying around at the time, so it's very hard to to, to pinpoint. Whether, and it also
1: it. feels like he was going for more exotic women. I mean, I think he dated somebody that was in what could like be considered a soft core adult film.
0: Yeah, he, he definitely Diana went.
1: He, Diana was he, a virgin, you know?
0: you know. Diana's, I mean, the the thing you have to keep in the crime again, sort of not to play it up, but the crime plays her as this great outsider. You know, she was an earl's daughter. Yeah. Who'd, that family lineage went back to Charles II and a the house the size of a palace.
1: I think her great-grandma, no, maybe it's just her grandma and grandpa rented Park House on the Sandringham estate. She would stumble yeah. upon the queen. I mean, th- she really was not an outsider. That dra- I no. was wondering that. Why? Why? What is that up with that narrative? Is it more exciting to think of her as a commoner, <laughs> you know?
0: I mean, she's presented that way. I mean, she she is now presented as sort of the great outsider when, in fact, her and the Queen Mother came from identical backgrounds. They were both the daughters of earls, and the Queen Mother had actually been very good friends with um, both of Diana's great aunts. Were her two best friends as a debutante, so that she had you know, the family ties went back a really, really long way. So then, I suppose maybe if we're talking about how close she was to certain parts of the royal family, maybe there, maybe it's just because she had grown up knowing Andrew. Maybe that's where yeah, the rumors. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I just I think that that's such an interesting idea because she was such a powerful character and like you said so much smarter than she's given credit for especially in the crown like I, I, that's one of my biggest issues with Spencer. you know, this this idea that she was unra Kristen Stewart is unraveling on the last holiday she spends with the British royal family when we actually know that she was in like cubbies on the on her on the phone with Andrew Morton in secret, like getting ready, plotting this yeah. this huge power PR move. I mean, this yeah. was a smart, intelligent, creative human being. Um, and I wonder such a powerful creature, such an intelligent creature, I feel like she could have and Fergie would hate me saying this, but I feel like she could have put Prince Andrew in his place. I'm so interested by this idea that, you know, there were whispers and kind of nudges for her to end up with Prince Andrew and Prince Andrew initially. But also is that maybe her sister that dated Prince Charles saying, well, if I'm not good enough for for Prince Charles, you certainly aren't either.
0: (laughs) But well, there were rumors also that Charles was I mean there were there were a couple of rumors that he was going to end up with a European princess that it was going to be sort of a, that he was going to end up with Princess Marie Astrid of Luxembourg. Wow. there was it was going to be an old school royal marriage, but she was Catholic and at the time they they had to marry Protestants. so it's it's just it's such an interesting what if.
1: I, it is it is and that's so interesting to me that that you just said that because so much has changed in such a short amount of in our lifetimes yeah. well not really i wasn't born when they originally got married but um so much has changed in 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 the sense that you know I, prince harry you know got to marry a biracial divorced american actress i mean that would have never happened what for prince charles prince charles was you know no. lovingly <laughs> encouraging in that direction <laughs>
0: Well, if you, as you say, the divorce thing is um, it conjures up what had been a huge problem for Edward the, the most. I mean, it's notorious, and certainly, I mean, actually, I would argue that 40, 50 years ago, Kate Middleton wouldn't have happened. Yeah, you know, she's not that she's not the child of an aristocrat. Right. So there and they were. I mean, right up until um 50s or 60s they were they were really and you know for the heirs to the throne they did want aristocratic uh, or you know women that that it's just remarkable what has changed
1: um so can you give me any sort of um details about your book can you give me the skinny when can we look forward to getting it yeah,
0: and are... we don't have another drink which i um shamelessly used as an excuse to have 479 over jubilee weekend Imagine. um every time it was yeah well oh, actually my friend archie uh, he runs this brilliant instagram <coughs> called cocktails of do you want me to start that again did it ping
1: yeah. no i think that's so. exciting we're going to pretend it's archie
0: Okay, good, Yeah. <laughs> My friend Archie has this Instagram called Cocktails of Lockdown, and he puts together sort of vintage cocktail recipes. So I was galloping through all 77 decades. Um, delicious, good times. But uh, so the book is called "Do Let's Have Another Drink," which was what the Queen Mother used to say to get people, you know, just sort of, you know, not you don't go to your meeting, don't leave lunch. Do let's have another drink, and it's 101 anecdotes about her life, one for each year, told by people who knew her, and it is out in uh, Britain and Ireland with Harper Collins in October and with Simon and Schuster in the US and Canada in November. So it's I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed writing this book. It was so much fun.
1: What was your favorite part of Jubilee, even if you didn't see it for your for your own I eyes, love- even if you were with friends somewhere else?
0: I mean, I have to say Prince Louis. I mean, yeah. really, because I'm i an eldest eldest of four, and me and my sisters were messaging the youngest, saying, you have the strong, Prince Louis has the strongest youngest child energy yeah. <laughs> I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> I also have to say, I just, I loved, you know, there was such a sense of relaxation and celebration. I think the atmosphere, I really loved the atmosphere, I have to say. Uh, and when did also, you go home? I went home on the Wednesday, so I stayed. Um I had, a Michelle's con- I had my friend Michelle's concert on the Monday.
1: Wait, I just have to interrupt the podcast for one minute here. Gareth is talking about Michelle Dockery. That is Lady Mary from Downton Abbey, who's now in a band called Michael and Michelle. I am deceased. How cool is that? Are you a creature of duty?
0: And then I had a few like working lunches on the Tuesday. So it was. Um, I,
1: I wish you but- would have invited me to that concert, except it was oh. sold out.
0: It was sold out. so like so. It,
1: it was so good. I watched some of it on your your Instagram, and uh, it took me on a whole r- rabbit hole.
0: It's really annoying. She's so talented. Yeah. Um, but I do. But I am sort of like I mean, really kind of ENFJ type A. It's it's a it's a burden. And the minute she told me, I bought tickets, and then this space obviously like everywhere there's limits and all of a sudden about three days before every friend was trying to get the last ticket yeah Uh, so it was but it was just i don't know it was really when it's really i get so much of seeing my friends do something they love i mean it really is just so special to see it
1: talking to you right now because I love watching you do what you love. Uh, but, <laughs> so wait, but I have a question really quickly because I felt like on on Sunday night we fell asleep on a high, like wow, what a great experience. Yeah. The Jubilee yeah. is amazing, and then I woke up Monday morning and it was like we gotta get Boris Johnson out of here. And I was like, it's, whoa, can um, we not just like
0: whoa? I, do you know what I will say though? I was, we were we were at, I was at breakfast with friends and we were laughing about. Usually with the Jubilee, there's like a two-week post-glow. Yeah. You have to be really unpopular for someone to come after you, <laughs> like like 12 hours after the Jubilee is over. Uh, it was it was it was back to earth with a bump. But then it's 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 a, a bit like her Jubilee in 1977, less like the ones in 2002, 2012. This is a much more in common with the silver jubilee in 1977, in that it's a tough time. It, yeah. You know it's happening in a tough time. But yes, even I did not expect the Monday headlines to be to be um to be a, an, an inter-tory party coup <laughs> yeah.
1: it was so funny i was like wow this london is super fun like this is so great hey, uh, do you
0: know I, do you know what's interesting though i was talking to a friend who is not re- you know really um a massive monarchist but he said there's something about not seeing political headlines every day that feels oh. like a bit of a mental hiatus
1: oh yeah Absolutely. I was, you know, we were. Ta- I was talking to my fiance about that today over text message because we have breaking news. Oh, what?
0: He's so fun. He was. He was. He was so much fun in the green room. Really funny.
1: Oh my gosh, Gareth! If it wasn't him, it would be you. You know. <laughs> um,
0: but- <laughs> oh well, I get that.
1: But so um, we were talking today about just the the chaos the the chaos of the headlines here, and he was like, if it weren't for our family issues, like we would 100% live in London because it's just I, I get what you say. Politics becomes so overwhelming and it can consume you, and you know I just I'm I'm 100% with you. That was it was the most effortlessly like just I just felt like I was floating it was just the, the energy was so part street parties everywhere people were well, in such really, a good mood
0: it, that's I, I have to say there was something about seeing the street parties that felt really special particularly as I've said after you know for, and, uh, for a lot of people particularly a couple of elderly people I was talking with and they had said you know really I've spent the last two years cooped oh. up It was a lot. It meant a lot to people. So that I think something very, very lovely about the whole experience. And as you say, there was a floating vibe because I think it was flowing. I think how they worked everything was 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 flowed with such precision.
1: Right. And um, I did. I met an elderly couple at a coffee shop and they said something very similar that they were just so excited to be out and about and just enjoying the environment. Uh, And that was and they were so sweet. Oh, my gosh, they were so cute. But um, I'm going to let you go. I've had just one other question that has completely escaped my brain. You
0: know what? I wondered, because as you were starting to slow down, I was like, that's what I do when the questions (laughs) go on. I'm like, just take your time. You'll you'll, you'll remember what you were saying.
1: Are we the same person? (laughs) Um, But uh, I'll probably remember it as soon as we get off. But it was, uh, I've had... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've had so much fun talking to you and I had so much fun I'm glad well first of all it's fun to have people my age that love the the royal family because one of my least favorite questions and I was going to ask it to you I kept thinking I got to ask it to him because I hate this question why do you love the British royal family and it, it's so fun to find people that love them too but why is it for for me it's if the grew- history and the tradition.
0: Yeah, I mean, I grew up, My both my grandmother, my my family is are m- m- nearly all monarchists. Um, and so I grew up, my late grandmother grew up during the war. And so for her, the king and queen were, I mean, yes. absolutely sacrificed. So I sort of grew up hearing stories, but I, I suppose part of it is the history. I was a history nerd from, I mean, about seven really onwards. And I just devoured every book that I could find. And I think when you spend so much time loving the topic you become more interested in the people and i also i just i mean i think i I do admire i admire people who stick to their to their duty and stick to the course if that's the right word so i think for me someone you know i think to me that was admirable but it was also it was fascinating just fascinating
1: i I think yeah that discipline is really remarkable i remembered my question okay um (laughs) Not that I wasn't listening. Uh, That was a very good answer and I completely concur. Um, So what I wanted to ask you, this is like such a tacky question. I can't believe I'm bringing it back. But um, to me, one of my favorite parts of Jubilee 2 were the window displays throughout town. How cute were those? I
0: love those i love a splash of color I, lo- I have to say i love a good window display on a checking note one of my favorite memories was i was on right before you uh-huh. and i got out the your piece in and we were out in the balcony next yeah. to the house of parliament <laughs> one of the gentlemen who worked in the tech department said hey gareth is the is the light too bright and i went yeah yeah a little here i'm sorry i was like oh
1: <laughs> you and i both were like this the entire interview
0: it was, there's, I, I have to sit, share the screenshot at some point, but I look as if I'm, I can't read my own teleprompter. There was no teleprompter. It was just that the, the sun had just, so right. it took up residence in my corneas. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I went, I mean, you were coming out right after me. I thought I'm going to have to warn her, but there's nothing <laughs> that. There. We really should have had
1: tough. sunglasses.
0: Uh, believe me, I considered it. And I had to weigh up what's worse. Being the person who squints, or being the person who looks maybe hungover. <laughs> also,
1: wait, did you also have a uh, like a 10 second delay in your ear? Because I did, and it made and I felt so uncomfortable. I,
0: no, I didn't have the delay, but my earpiece popped out at one stage. Well, no, that's okay
1: because then you get to do the Nancy Grace.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I no, I, well, I have no, actually maybe there was a bit of a delay because I think yes, there, towards the end there was. Yeah. It started to to build in. So that yeah, that that's always a bit of a panic because you don't want to get the you don't want to answer the questions in the wrong order. Yeah, it was uh, but it was, it was I have to say the the green room, the filming, everything that day. There was a, I think even with us, with all of us in there, there was a good sense of camaraderie.
1: Oh, it was so much fun. And I'm so glad that I met you in person. And like I said before, I just feel like you're one, I mean, you're one of my favorite people now. And I'm just so glad that we actually met in real life because uh, online, you know, people are interesting online. And I feel like you always see people as their best on social media. But oh, to one. Yeah, but to, I don't. This long isn't long. my space, Gareth. We've moved on, okay? But to to meet you in real life, I loved you so much more, and I was like, no, I really want to spend time with this person. I want to, you know, I, we're going to be friends forever. So to have that meeting with you was really exciting to me, and I'm so happy that I got to share my jubilee with you.
0: Oh well, and also thank you just so much for the hope you know for um, putting me forward for that because it was a really fun job to do and it was it sort of fitted in perfectly. I had things later on, but it was it was a great start because I got to meet you. I got to meet you know that really fun team. I don't know. I just I felt very lucky in my job that day. You know, absolutely. Those, That's
1: how I felt. Oh, my God. I had so much fun talking to you. Thank you for listening to the To Die For Daily podcast with Kinsey Schofield. A transcript of this chat is available at todiefordaily.com. Please subscribe to hear more from your favorite royal
0: commentators. Cheers.